I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Dominic Doan with me as we have a conversation around Second Peter and what the Lord has been teaching him. Dominic is the founder of Pursuing Faith, and he's the author of a new book called Your Longing Has a Name, Come Alive for the Story You Were Made For, where he uses Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, which is the exact verses we meditated on in the last podcast, to show us how our souls can and should flourish in difficult times. Dominic has a master's in theology from the University of Oxford, and he has served as a pastor, a professor, and a missionary. And I think I even read that you were a DJ on the radio at one point. So you have yeah. <laughs> you have done a lot of different things. <laughs> well, welcome, Dominic. So glad that you've made some space for us today. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be on the show with you. Well, I'm really glad to have you wrap up this series on Peter. I can think of no better way to do it. And before we dive in and talk about the specifics of the passage, though, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about why the Lord led you to write an entire book on four short verses in the Bible. Oh, man. So the backstory there, and I, I go into it in chapter one, but the backstory was like so many people, uh, 2020, 2021, um, these are just really interesting, challenging years. And you look at the national landscape right now, people who have lost loved ones, uh, the economic crisis, uh, just the, the emotional uh, health of people's souls. Um, and in our own family, we went through a, a pretty challenging season, um, not only ministry, but our personal family. We lost a, a couple of loved ones during the pandemic. And uh, this book was actually birthed out of a time when my wife ended up in the hospital um, with a collapsed lung, and which led to complications. And at one point, you know, it looked really tenuous, like whether or not she was going to make it. And it was in that season where I'm just like asking God for strength. Um, I just, yeah, you're, you're feeling exhausted. Um, you, you kind of feel like a sponge that's been, you know, squeezed out of, of everything. And with all the things that were happening in our family at that time. And I remember just crying out to God saying, Lord, I, I really just need your strength. I, I, I need your uh, power right now to, to get through this season, to help love people through this season, to be a good pastor, to be a good wife, uh, husband to my wife, to be a good uh, dad to my, my daughter, um, and, and to lead as you called me to lead. And it was in that time, I'll never forget where I, I came across this verse in third John, and it's actually a prayer. Uh, where John says, beloved, I pray that your soul would flourish or prosper. Mm -hmm. And and it hit me, kind of the juxtaposition of that verse hit me because I'm thinking, well, <laughs> that's the prayer of scripture. In fact, it's what Jesus said in John chapter seven, when he spoke of the living waters that flow from within when we come to him and believe in him or Psalm chapter one, you know, which describes the tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. 
And I, I just remember saying, God, I'm, I don't feel that that's my experience right now. This is a tough, tough season. We're walking yeah. through the valley of the shadow of death. And my, my question was, Lord, how can my soul flourish mm-hmm. in these times? And that question is what then led me to Second Peter chapter 1, kind of a deep dive in that passage, where I began to see that God actually gives us in his word a practical roadmap towards a soul that can flourish in the midst of hard times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important point to add because so many times in our culture, when we talk about flourishing, <laughs> we mean something entirely different. That's right. we, yeah. you, you know, we mean more finances or a raise or a new house or a new spouse or whatever culture tells us. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the way the Bible describes flourishing, and certainly the flourishing that Jesus was speaking of, was a flourishing of the soul. It's it's participation mm-hmm. in the life of God. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, it was during hard times uh, that this book was was born. And uh, where God led me to this beautiful passage, which I'm so glad you're studying and unpacking. There's so much there. And I I think it's a passage for our time because it gives us a way to flourish in the midst of hard times. Yeah. Such a great setup. And I think it's also important to note, and you do this a, a great job of this in your book as well, that Peter is writing this to us under pretty dire circumstances. So tell us, I mean, because he's not flourishing, like, quote unquote, the world's telling us flourishing looks like. So tell us a little bit about what's happening in Peter's life right at this moment. I love Peter's life. um, I do too. (laughs) Because he was just a convoluted mess of various desires and passions and dreams and Part of him is wanting to go all in, right? I think of Luke chapter five, where he dives headlong into the water. Uh, And then other parts of him, you know, he struggled with doubt and uncertainty and even denied Christ at a fire. And so his life was a life of really ups and downs, highs and lows, ebbs and flows of, of the spiritual journey. And and what I love is that Jesus never gave up on him. Mm -hmm. I love the story where even after Peter denied Christ and he's standing there or actually he's back in his boat, right? He went back to his old life of fishing and Jesus caught up with him at the lake and he called out and he said, friend, have you Mm -hmm. caught anything? Which, you know, John chapter 21 is actually retelling in many ways of Luke chapter five, you have a lake and you have someone fishing all night and catching nothing. And Jesus, you know, giving an invitation, And Peter, he then realized it was the Lord, jumps into the water, comes to the shore. And it says there that that Peter saw a a coal of fire, um, which, or or fires of of coals, which is, again, retelling of his Mm -hmm. own failure. Jesus was, was cooking fish there. He invited him to breakfast. And there, really, at a place where his own failure was on full display, Jesus then said, feed my sheep. Yeah. And and that's what Peter went on to do. He went on to plant churches, uh, was a pillar in the early church, was filled with the spirit, Acts chapter two, gave a sermon, thousands were saved. And then as an old man, he's in a prison cell, which when I think of the word flourishing, I don't think of a prison cell, right. um, <laughs> but he's in a prison cell and he takes pen to scroll And he begins to write about the flourishing life. He begins to write about how our soul can flourish in difficult and and hard times. And to me, that's such a a beautiful counterintuitive, countercultural even 
uh, idea or, or picture of, of what flourishing actually is. It's so much more than the, the shallow two dimensional perceptions of flourishing that culture gives, which, you know, we could do a whole conversation on that, how what we see in 2022 with our perception of flourishing is kind of a retelling of Aristotle and his concept of happiness or eudaimonia, as he as he put it, uh, which again was very much based upon what you have to do in order to earn something. Mm-hmm. But what Peter's describing in Second Peter one are, are, aren't things we have to earn through our own striving, but rather these are gifts that God has given us to receive through the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Th- these are gifts that, as we add them to our faith, one after another. Our, our soul can actually begin to heal and be restored. As, as David talked about in Psalm 23, when he said, you restore my soul. Mm, so good. Well, let's, let me read the passage for us and give us a reminder of it with that setup. Um, and I'm anxious to dive into it even deeper with you. So this is second Peter one verses five through eight for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I see why you write an entire book on that. There's so much in there. (laughs) So we did this meditation, really just asking the Lord, okay, lead me to notice what you want me to notice in this passage. And so I know that you did write a whole book on it. And it's hard to meditate on a passage that you are so intimately familiar with. But as you did that process, where did he take you today? Yeah, you know, I, I was reminded again as I, as I was looking at this passage that on one level, it's a liturgy for the soul. I'm sure we'll unpack that today. These are gifts that God's given us. They, they're practices, in, in a sense, that, that we apply to our life and allow the Spirit of God to, to flow through us. Um, but there, it's also an eschatology of the soul, in a sense. And by eschatology, I simply mean it's something that we're becoming. Um, you know, when, when Peter urges us to make every effort, uh, he, he, this isn't just a call to shape our lives now, but it's also a, a vision for the life to come. Um, Peter, he, he's furnishing us with the building blocks for the kind of future that God wants us to inhabit. And, and it struck me again today that how each day, how we choose to develop our soul or on the flip side, diminish our soul. You know, I think of C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce. He had a lot to say about the diminishing of the soul. Um, it, it actually influences what we carry with us into eternity. Uh, I think this is why Jesus spoke of talents and rewards and investing mm-hmm. our treasure in eternal things that this very moment, and this is so inspiring, but it's also terrifying <laughs> that this very moment And for as many moments as we have left on earth, um, we're actually constructing our soul's identity. And so as I was thinking about this, I was just reminded today that it's the little things that count. 
It's mm-hmm. the small decisions, the small habits, the, the way we allow our mind to, to flow in whatever direction, uh, how we speak, just the small things that maybe we, we think are insignificant in the moment. Actually, they're not that small after all. Every moment is teeming with possibility. <laughs> and every moment is an opportunity for our soul to reflect the beauty of Jesus. Oh, that is so good and so powerful. And yeah, I love that we are either developing our soul or diminishing our soul. We are either moving closer to God or we are moving away from him. And that's just a beautiful reminder. Well, you know, Peter wrote this passage in such a unique way where he's stacking these virtues one on top of the other. It's always been a passage I've been drawn to a passage that I haven't known quite what to do with sometimes. And so I'd love for you to talk about, you know, one of the things that you say is that you realize that these seven virtues weren't just duties that we were supposed to perform, but they're really gifts to receive. And I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit more. Also just the way he structured this and, and why he did it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important point because you know, so many times when we talk about um, the virtues, um, and the Bible has, you know, what the ancient world calls virtue lists, um, the, the ancient Greek philosophers, they would do the same thing and say, hey, these are things, these are values that we think are important, or I think, you know, of the most famous one, um, the fruit of the spirit. And oftentimes, the way we approach these is, okay, these are, these are rigid things that I need to apply to my life in order to reach, you know, whatever destination. And th- this is kind of, again, a very cultural idea that uh, if you want, quote unquote, the flourishing life, then you got to jump through these hoops or sign up for this newsletter or, you know, read this stack of books or attend this seminar. Not that those things aren't helpful. Um, but the way that Peter frames it is actually through the language of invitation. Mm-hmm. You know, when he says, make your calling and election sure, just a few verses later from that beautiful passage you read, um, the, the word calling there it actually has this idea of being a peasant, being invited to a feast. Um, and if you've ever, you know, been in a situation where you look around, you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> or why am <laughs> yeah. I rubbing shoulders with these people? In the book, I tell a funny story of how I once got invited uh, with a friend to go to a uh, European prayer, prayer breakfast in Brussels. And, you know, we're talking to prime ministers. And at one point, one of the guys thought I was a prime minister of a country. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm just a pastor. Right. But you, you think of those moments when you're invited to a space where you're like, I don't think I belong here. I don't fit in here. You feel over your head out of your league. Um, that, that's kind of the language that Peter uses when he's mm. talking about these seven gifts. Uh, he says, you know, we're making our calling sure it's the peasant invited to a feast. So God's prepared this lavish feast before us, these seven gifts. We have nothing to bring. We're the peasant, right? Or, or as Corey Ten Boom once said, you know, we're the donkey, he's the king. We're just the, pres- yeah. the peasant. And all we have to do is come. Okay. I'm coming in my weariness, my brokenness, my languishing, uh, the hurt, the pain, the grief, uh, the unresolved issues, the things I've walked through the last few years, the uncertainty, the doubt, all of it. I'm bringing it before you. I have nothing to give, nothing to offer, but, but this. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful message of scripture is that that's okay. You mm-hmm. come as you are. Jesus said, when you're weary and heavy laden, <laughs> that's when you come to me and you will find rest for your soul. So that's why they're gifts to receive because we we could never earn them or 
even do them in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's given us that. Uh, again, I think of Psalm 23. This is another passage I've been lingering on this week. You know, in Psalm 23, David, a man like Peter, who knew what the languishing life looked like, who knew what it was to, to mess up or to go through seasons of grief, the valley of the shadow of death. He said, Lord, you've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Again, it's the language of this is the lavish feast and I'm coming in in my brokenness. And there we find grace. We find acceptance. We find identity and we find healing for our soul. I love that you brought up that it's not more striving and more effort on our end because it can be a little confusing when we read this passage because he starts out saying make every effort right but it's right. not it's not us just working harder and pushing through more it's right invitational it's it's come Absolutely. the effort is just show up empty handed uh just arrive and let god right. do the work that he's going to do and I really am grateful that you brought that up because that's the last thing I want people to take away is, well, you're just, you're going to have to work harder. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Exactly. That's not the life that that's not the abundant life that Jesus calls us to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what Peter does too, is he's casting a vision. Um, You know, one, one ancient poet, he, he said that when we're calling someone into it, it's not enough uh, simply to describe the ship you want to build to take a voyage. You, you need to describe the endless immensity of the sea, right? In other words, you cast a broader vision mm. of, of what this life could look like, and then the details begin to take care of itself. And so when Peter says, make every effort, he's actually casting this, this glorious vision for what I call the flourishing of our souls, that when we see that, when we're captured by that, it's like, like Peter, we want to jump headlong into the water. It's like, I, I've got to go after this. I've got to chase after this vision because that's what my soul is longing for. Mm-hmm. So good. I would love for you. You do such a beautiful job in your book, unpacking what really each of these things means and, and mm-hmm. digging into what is goodness, what is knowledge and self-control and perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love. Choose one of those right now and just give us a little taste of what is the deeper thing that Peter is saying in there. Absolutely. You know, I, as you mentioned earlier, and and this is such a a pivotal part, I think of this passage is that Peter, you know, he, he gives us these, these gifts, but they're, they're building upon each other. And and the foundation of all these gifts is what he calls goodness. Now, I'll confess, when I first read this and I began to meditate on this passage, I I came across this word goodness. I'm like, that is such a broad word. (laughs) What what does that even mean, right? It's it's so vast. And and, and then I began to do some research. Okay, what what did this mean in the ancient world? And in the ancient Greek, it was the word arete, um, and the way they understood that word was excellence. So if a house was you know, arete, it, it was because it was comfortable or well-designed or, you know, food was considered arete if the taste and texture and aroma was, you know, mouthwatering or whatever. Um, but it was all very, very external. Uh, people were considered arete if, if they were the privileged of society, wealthy, well-educated, well-connected, et cetera. But in scripture, I began to discover, starting with the Hebrew Old Testament, is that arete actually, it's a completely different vision of, of than, than something you receive through luck 
uh, or exertion. It's something you receive through relationship with God. And here's Mm -hmm. why, because Psalm 73 verse one says, truly God is good. God is the source of all goodness. And so as I began to dig into this and, and pull back some of these layers and go to going to Exodus chapter 34, which by the way, is an amazing passage to, to, to look at alongside of second Peter chapter one. Uh, I began to understand, oh, this is an invitation first and foremost to the presence of God. Mm-hmm. The healing of our souls begins with intimacy with God. And, and I talk about how really the defining ethos of our age is, as the New York Times put it uh, a few months ago, they said, we're languishing as a culture. We're languishing emotionally. Uh, we're kind of out of breath. We're exhausted. And yet, as we start with goodness in the presence of God, intimacy with God, our our soul finds its breath again. Mm. And one passage I think is so beautiful and relevant to this, speaking of intimacy with God, is again, Psalm 23, where David says, Lord, you restore my soul. And the word soul there in in Hebrew is nefesh. Uh, It speaks of the deepest part of you. But it's also connected to another word, nefesh, which means to breathe. (laughs) So, in fact, the rabbis, they they used to, uh, the way they translated that verse was, he will return my breath to me. So we have in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. The rabbi said, he will return my breath to me. And I thought, okay, where do we see breath and soul in the Bible? There's several other places, but the very first place in scripture is in Genesis, Mm -hmm. where God creates Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis 2, verse 7, God breathed into them. So they're your breath Mm -hmm. and they became a living soul. The first mention of the word soul in the Bible, breath, spirit, soul, their soul came alive. The word living uh, actually speaks of a flower that's uh, blossoming with beauty and color Mm -hmm. and vibrancy. We were at the zoo yesterday in Denver and uh, we came across this little garden and you just see all these beautiful flowers. And I was reminded like that is God's vision for our soul. But, but how, how can our soul flourish? How can it prosper? How can it thrive in hard times? Again, it begins with intimacy with God, just like Adam and Eve received their soul through the breath of God and they became alive. They mm-hmm. flourished. Mm-hmm. Our soul begins to flourish in his presence. We slow down. We take time in the presence of God. We reorient our thoughts and heart around his goodness. And then it's like, okay, we can breathe again. Our our soul can begin to let go of some of the toxic things we've taken on board and encounter the healing presence of God. Mm. There's so much hope and all of that. One of the things that you do in your chapters is you have a section called come alive. And I particularly liked the section of come alive that we've just talked about with goodness because it's a practical way to practice what you've just talked about. And I'm, I love spiritual practices. I love exercising our faith. That's the whole point of the podcast, I suppose, is to, you know, be in the presence of God. And so tell us a little bit about those come alive sections in particular, that one and what you invite readers to do to experience the goodness of God. I think this is so important because yeah, if it's just like high level philosophy or theology, that's great. We can, we can learn. Um, but, but what God is calling us to is the way of love. 
And what we learn needs to be expressed through what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is why I thought the come alive sections would be so practical because uh, we, we need steps to say, okay, we, we've just lingered on this portion of scripture. What does this mean for us? How can we apply it? You know, a funny story here. Uh, I, I used to be a missionary in a country called Vanuatu, um, which is a very, very primitive country, no electricity, no running water. And I'll never forget one time uh, the church that was, was supporting this, they sent us a laptop. And this was in the late 90s where, you know, it's kind of unusual to get a laptop, especially in that country where there's no uh, electricity. (laughs) But they sent us a laptop just to, you know, be kind. Someone donated it or whatever. And then we had to get a generator to power it up. (laughs) But but I I, I got all these students together. I was teaching at a college there. I got all these students together and I, I thought they would be amazed because this here's some modern technology. They'd never seen anything like that. We're in the middle of the jungle and I turned the computer on and, you know, it's an old windows machine. It takes like 30 minutes to boot up. And <laughs> finally, you know, they're watching, there's like 20, 30 of them. They're watching. And then one of them asks, he's like, can you hunt with it? <laughs> and I said, no. And then he said, well, can you fish? And he's being serious. Can you fish with it? And I, I'm like, no. And he said, can you cook with it? <laughs> I think, no. He said, well, if you can't hunt with it, fish with it and cook with it, what's the point, right? Well, good is it? And I'll never forget that. Like he kind of had a point there. Um, <laughs> but what I love about scripture is that this is something that's practical, right? Mm-hmm. This is something you can hunt with, fish mm-hmm. with, cook with. This isn't just ideas, the, the, mm-hmm. These are things that we're called to live out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I write, wrote the Come Alive section, because I, I believe we need to take these truths of God's word and then just ask the question, okay, what, what is God bringing to the surface of our life through this? Uh, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this? What is he stirring inside you? Are there fears that you need to acknowledge? Are there sins you need to confess? Are there hopes that you need to name? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think just taking time to actually let the, the knowledge go and sink into our heart, that's actually what transforms us and changes yeah. us and makes us more like Jesus. That's so good. Yes. And th- there's just an invitation in there to be present with God be present in prayer, be present in yeah. silence. Um, and I just, I think those were just such excellent ways to practice, to move it from our head to our heart. I think we can become very heady Christians very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that you were doing that. Well, Dominic, I would love to hear a little bit more about your organization pursuing faith. Um, and just tell us kind of what's the focus of the work that you're doing with your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we started an organization about a year ago uh, called Pursuing Faith and our website's pursuingfaith.org. And, and really what we're focused on uh, is to help people who are in the process of doubting their faith, deconstructing their faith, even leaving the faith to find a roadmap back to the, the flourishing life in Jesus. As you know, right now, deconstruction is a massive movement across our nation. Uh, young people, uh, in particular, Gen Z, uh, you go online, go on social media, go on TikTok, whatever, you just find tens of thousands of videos of young people who are saying, I'm done with church, I'm done with God, I'm done with faith. And, and so our organization exists to help people who are in that process 
to come back to faith or to reconstruct their faith or to be a safe space where they can ask some of the difficult questions. Uh, we also do a lot of work with parents who, whose kids are, are leaving the faith, uh, just helping them through that process. And how do we respond to those who doubt? Uh, and we also do a lot of work with churches. Uh, we do mm. staff training for churches because again, we're, we're finding lots of churches across the nation are saying, what do we do? We're, yeah. we're, we're seeing this movement of deconstruction how do we respond? So we're doing that. We're doing conferences and writing digital content and, and speaking in different places. I love it. And so you've been doing this for a year, a very yeah. interesting, interesting time to start an organization and mm-hmm. lead something new. So I know that that was obviously a God dream that he placed in your heart. Or Absolutely. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's called pursuing faith because I think God's called us right to take that step of faith and um, you know, for almost 20 years, uh, you know, my, my wife and I were pastoring in different places, uh, Hawaii and North Carolina and uh, Portland uh, for almost a decade. And there was an amazing, amazing season. And then over the last few years or so, God just began to put this ministry on our heart. And, mm-hmm. um, and we had some people to speak into our life, you know, go for it, take the step of faith. And so we did uh, a year ago and it's just, yeah, it's been a huge step of faith for us, but we've, we've just seen so much fruit. Um, atheists uh, come to faith. Uh, parents encouraged, churches equipped. And uh, in fact, I, I recently got an email from, from someone who, who said, Hey, I, I, I was deconstructing my faith, uh, for the last couple of years and, uh, I've made a decision to come back to faith now. And so we're, we're seeing things like that happen. That gives me so much hope in a moment where the Washington Post said, you know, we live quote in a secular age. Um, I'm actually seeing signs of life and beauty Mm -hmm. and gospel Mm -hmm. and kingdom all over the place. And so hopeful for what what God's going to do with the emerging generation. Mm, So good. So good. So last thing is you also have a podcast. So you're, you're a fellow podcaster in the world of podcasts. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. I I've listened to some of them and I'd love for, I think our listeners would enjoy your podcast for sure. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. Yeah. Um, so the, the podcast is called pursuing faith and, uh, it's essentially helping people who are navigating seasons of doubt and deconstruction towards a flourishing faith. And, and as is the case kind of with the, my first two books, the first one deals with doubt. And this next one, as we've talked about, uh, is all about faith. And I think these two are important to talk about because one of the reasons I'm discovering that people are leaving the faith isn't so much a heady philosophical theological thing, although, you know, many cases they'll lead with that, but we're finding in, you know, 90 plus percent of cases, people leave or deconstruct because of some soul level anguish or trauma or pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this podcast steps into that space. Sometimes it's just me sharing other times we'll have guests on, uh, you know, we we, uh, recently had NT Wright on and other just really gifted thinkers and uh, people who bring so much uh, when it comes to this conversation. So yeah, it's available on Apple and Spotify or or wherever podcasts, all the places. Yeah. Well, I will put some, I'll put some links in the show notes. Well, Dominic, this was really delightful. Thank you so much for making some space for us to talk about this amazing passage. I'm super encouraged by our time together. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, everyone, I also just want to thank you for joining me again on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. 
Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith then he grins and says do you trust me because together we can do this with mornings with Jesus you can start your day in a positive way find hope through inspirational stories and scripture go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for mornings with Jesus you can also download the abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com